Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, good morning and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and I'm delighted that you've decided to join us for today's talk about gardening, all things growing, getting ready for spring. Folks, we're, we're getting closer. Every week that you and I get together, we are getting closer to spring. It's a wonderful thing, but old Jack Frost is not done yet. We knew it would happen. So we are seeing some cold weathers, uh, temperatures coming up this week. It's already been a bit chillier this later part of the week than it was to start. We're going to be up and down, up and down, but hopefully this will be the last down we have. As a matter of fact, uh, there were some folks that came into the nursery. Of course, that's at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. And... The ladies asked if uh, we had tomato plants. I told you this happens all the time. Well before spring is here, well before dependable weather is here. And of course, our answer is no, they won't be here till April. And their immediate response was, oh my goodness, they were so offended. They were so offended we didn't have tomato plants available. And of course, we knew we were going to have some more cold weather. We are trying to do a service by not bringing plants in too soon. I will tell you what a big disservice is. And maybe this is a bit of a garden and rant. I haven't done that in a while. But the biggest disservice I think that is out there is for these box stores, these big guys, to start bringing out summertime, warm weather loving plants during these, you know, week or so that we get of nice weather they bring them out for that week and we all know we all know that we're going to have another cold spell another cold snap another freeze maybe that is not helpful at all so be on the lookout for those guys who are doing that because we're not necessarily in the clear yet I mean, the last report I've seen, of course, you've got to keep your up-to-date information on the weather and all things local and news here on WRWH 93.9 FM. So keep an eye out on the weather here. But, you know, the last report I've seen, we're going to be in the 30s, maybe Tuesday. The low 30s, below freezing. Now, that's fluctuated. I've been watching those dates uh, for weeks now. Uh, at one point, 34. At one point, 29. Now up to 30. But folks, it does seem like early next week we're going to have a little bit of wintry weather. So be careful. Be careful with these guys who are trying to sell you things like tomato plants, pepper plants, squashes, any of the vegetables that we grow in the summer. And then, of course, all of the annual flowers that we would grow. We've been talking about a lot of annual flowers and cut flowers, so zinnias, cosmos we're going to talk about today. Uh, You know, if you're looking for petunias, bedding plants like begonias, all of those things, folks, they are not 
going to like a freeze. They don't really like frost either, okay? Let's be honest. If we get a frost and you've already planted some of these things, you see what these companies do, these large box stores, I will not name any, but they bring them out, they bring these plants out when, when, when things are starting to feel good. And of course, it's short-lived in February and March, just a few days feel good, and then we're down to the cold again. They bring them out to entice you, to coax you, to buy, to buy, to buy. And I don't know if they are knowledgeable enough to know Maybe they're not knowledgeable about it, Um, but I bet somebody who's purchasing those plants and putting them on display very well knows that you buy them on the beginning of March, and in a few days later, they will be dead, and you will have to return to buy more. Now, I don't want to say it's a scam. I don't want to say it's a scam, but it might very well be, because when you are working with local folks who, are, who own their plants, they grow their own plants, maybe they don't grow everything, but they're purchasing from other local growers, your local growers are going to be more dependable for you if you have questions about, should I be planting this now or should I not? As a matter of fact, if a nursery who is local to you, if they have plants available at certain times of the year, then it's probably a fine time to purchase those plants and and uh, plant those things. Now, there may be some exceptions, and I hope that the uh, nurseryman, mer- uh, nursery lady who's, who's working there uh, is going to let you know of those exceptions. But in general, the box stores, they don't seem to care. And I hear that from all of our customers who do shop at different places. And, of course, uh, they see what's going on. But it was funny to me this week when uh, those individuals asked us for vegetable plants and, and they were nearly offended. They were offended that we didn't have certain vegetables. And I'm like, well, even if the weather, even if the temperature in the air was going to be okay and we didn't get a freeze, the ground, the soil itself needs to warm up for these summer loving uh, plants. If you plant a tomato plant in the ground too early and the air temperature doesn't kill it off, the soil may still be cool enough to sort of stunt the growth of that plant, slow it down, and you will have a weak plant uh, that may take extra weeks to get back into shape and start growing. So again, with most of your summer bedding plants and vegetable plants, it's not just making sure that the atmospheric temperature that the air temperatures are going to be maintained say above 55 even at night folks but also we want to make sure that the soil is warm and of course i did check the temperature of the soil this past week and and you can check uh get an average for your area at uga weather stations Uh, just go to uh, google and google uga weather and there'll be a drop down Uh, to pick a city that's nearest you. And so UGA weather stations are all throughout our state. Um, And you can find at least a more local weather report for your area than maybe some of the weather reports that are coming out of Atlanta. So with that in mind, um, be on the lookout for not just the air temperature, but the soil temperature. The last I checked, the soil was above, slightly above 60 degrees, like 60.4 or 60.2 at 8 inches deep. Uh, 
And I like to look at that eight inches, eight inch depth. Uh, when you're looking at the UGA weather report for soil, at least you will have uh, the temperature at two inches deep, the temperature at four inches deep and the temperature at eight inches deep. And once we get that whole profile from two to four to eight inches deep, once that eight inch uh, base is, is warmed up, then you have no problem. You'll have no problem with the soil temperature. But don't just go based off of what you're feeling when you walk out into your landscape or walk outside. One day it could be warm, as we've experienced, and the next day it could be cold. Particularly, that night could be cold. So keep all of this information in mind and make sure you're checking both the air and the soil temperature if you don't want a chance losing plants and causing problems uh, maybe repurchasing plants that die from too much cold weather, uh, or maybe having to regrow if you're growing from seed. If you are growing plants indoors, that's a wonderful thing to do. Tomatoes can continue to be sown indoors because we're, oh, just getting close to about four weeks un until the middle of April, and that is plenty of time to, to get a, a seedling going so that once April brings these warmer temperatures, we can actually place those outside, but don't get too jumpy. Don't get too jumpy about trying to get any seedlings you're growing indoors outside because it's not time yet. Now, one thing you can do if you're growing seeds indoors, getting ready for your vegetable garden or flower garden, uh, like we'll be talking about today, our cut flowers, is on the nice warm days, on the nice warm sunny days, your plants will benefit from being out in that ambient, you know, if they've been inside, you don't want to put them directly into sunlight, harsh sunlight, but you can harden them off a bit, keeping them under a bright porch maybe, but out of direct light. And you can do that during the nice sunny warm days, but be sure if we have an event like we've been kind of anticipating with below freezing, they cannot be left outside over those freezing temperatures. So bring them indoors at night, let them grow outside in their containers on the patio, on the deck, uh, under a shady tree during the day. But you've got to be diligent. We've got to be diligent about watching the weather. Of course, uh, when you run a plant nursery like I do, you're always watching the weather, trying to anticipate what to expect. Should we be bringing things in the greenhouse for certain freezing temperatures or do we need to cover them with frost cloth? There's a number of things that we do to protect plants during this sort of um, uh, kind of uh, scary time. I call this a scary time uh, not to make you scared, but just to be aware that Spring usually tricks us, or really it's winter that tricks us. <laughs> so winter will allow a few spring days to show up, and then she flips the coin over and shows us all of her frosty cold might. So we're at that time of year. It's kind of a strange time. Just be diligent and be looking out, and of course, be listening to your local weather reports right here on WRWH 93.9 FM. Now, with all that being said, we... I've already alluded to you that uh, we will be talking about some of these summertime blooming flowers and plants that are great plants for cut flowers. Now, we've been talking about this for a few weeks. Um, our last Q&A week at the end of February, uh, we had a, a listener who sent us a question about growing uh, cut flowers, and I thought that we would take a few weeks because we've never specifically talked about growing a cut flower garden. But of course, the idea with a cut flower garden is that we are growing plants whose sole purpose for us is essentially 
for their flowers to be removed, separated from the plant, cut from the plant, and brought indoors. So we can store them in a vase. Uh, we can place them on tabletops. We can put them as centerpieces. We can do whatever you need to do uh, for these cut flowers. But the idea is we're looking for plants that are intentionally being grown so we can harvest their flowers. And I think it's a wonderful way of bringing nature indoors. Of course, it's nothing new. Uh, humankind has been growing flowers to cut and enjoy the flowers somewhere else aside from being on the plant. We've been doing that for thousands of years, right? And that's one of the reasons why today in the 21st century, we have so many plants available, so many varieties of plants available, cultivars that are wonderful plants for cut flowers because over the thousands of years, humans have selected and been breeding certain plants and certain colors and certain flower forms to be grown as a cut flower. And so I think that we're growing, we're here in the beginning of the 21st century, and we are here at a critical point in time where we've had, we have access to more plants than any other gardener in history has, because there are old-fashioned varieties that may have been forgotten about, but there are also new hybrids, new strains, new varieties that are being produced year after year. And in many cases, folks, with these cut flowers, like we've talked about zinnias, we've talked about dahlias, and today we're going to talk about cosmos. In many cases, you can start to cross and breed your own cosmos, your own zinnia, your own dahlia. It's not too complicated. You can find characteristics from one plant and characteristics from another flower and cross those two, save the seed for next year, and you can be growing your very own varieties. Or you can just save seed from certain varieties that really turn you on. You can save seed from uh, certain plants that, that have a richer color or some characteristic that you tend to favor. And today we are going to talk about cosmos. They are one of the easiest flowers. We've already talked about zinnias, which are super easy, and dahlias, which are easy but come with a few concerns. And if you missed our discussion on dahlias, just check it out online at NewSouthernGarden.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and, of course, any podcasting app that you may have. But cosmos um, are really probably one of the easiest to grow. And there is probably no other cut flower that is as productive. As a matter of fact, one plant will produce for you buckets and buckets of those airy, delicate, daisy-like blossoms for many months. Now, of course, with a cosmos, you can arrange them on their own or use them in a mixed bouquet. But after this break, we're going to get more information about how to grow cosmos so you can cut them in your own garden this summer. Hang on tight. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. 
Well, of course, gang, that was my Edie Rose button. That's my, well, she's now three. I guess she was about two when we recorded that with her. But that is her Give It A Go button, because today on New Southern Garden, we are giving Growing Cosmos a go. Now, if you're not familiar with Cosmos, these are those annual plants, those annual flowers. They originally are found natively in Mexico. So if you can imagine Mexico being very much south of us, uh, these plants love it warm, uh, they love it hot, and of course our summers correspond with that need. But our winters do not. And so we do treat cosmos as an annual plant. We will grow them from seed in the spring, and by the time they set seed uh, in the fall, that is the life of that plant. Now, last week we talked about dahlias, and dahlias create these large, thick tubers, like a potato, or a sweet potato, really. And it is from that you can generate new plants. But in the case of Cosmos, we are going to be growing these from seed. They're an annual. They only last one year. I'll give you a reminder, if you ever uh, have a problem with remembering the difference between an annual and a perennial and what that means... I like to describe it this way, um, not necessarily when I was in high school, but my mother and father's generation, um, every year they received a book at the end of the year. We call it a yearbook, but my mother and father, they call it an annual. You get your annual, and of course that is an annual yearbook for one year only. So if you remember um, that when you're talking about plants, that will help you distinguish the difference between an annual, which grows for one year, and perennial, which grows for many years. Perennial just means it keeps coming back. But cosmos is an annual, but don't worry, just because it's in our gardens and landscapes just during the warm growing season does not mean that it's going to disappoint you. Because, like we said before the break, these cosmos are truly a cut-and-come-again flower. Just like zinnias, the more you harvest their blooms, the more they will produce. The more blooms you cut, the more blooms the plant makes. The beautiful thing in my mind about cosmos is more than just the flowers. It's also the look of the plant, the texture of the plant. Cosmos can become quite tall. There are plenty of varieties out there. Some are shorter and some are maybe six foot, seven foot tall. This is a large plant, but they have these very airy and delicate-like foliage as well as blossoms. The blossoms are daisy-like. They're simple usually. There are some varieties that have many, many petals, but most of them are just going to have a series of about eight petals scattered around a yellow daisy-like center. But the shades they come in are quite wide and diverse. You can have shades of cosmos in the whites, the pure whites, the sort of soft pink whites, uh, reds, oranges, uh, let's see, kind of magentas and whatnot. Um, maybe some nearly purple, nearly purple, but there's also variegated petals as well. So many of them will have a basic color on the petal, and then maybe inflections of another brighter contrasting color. And in some cases, there's one called uh, Picati or Picote. I'm not sure. I think it's Picati, though. That's how I would say it. Um, but it has an edge 
around. So it has a uh, lighter colored center, but then the edge of the petals are like they've just been dipped in a dark, darker pink. So some of the varieties, let's go ahead and usually I save talking about varieties for the end of the show, but some of the varieties that you may want to look into that make great cut flowers, they'll have tall straight stems and of course um, these Cosmos, they grow on the end of a stem with kind of a, a, cl- a loose cluster of flowers. So it's not just one stem per flower, but one stem with many flowers on it. Uh, double click, double click Cosmos. Now that's sold as a mix, which of course comes in a variety of colors. These have unique double flowered blossoms. They're fluffy like blooms. Uh, they look great in bouquets, quite smashing as the British might say. But they um, are available as a mix, and sometimes you can purchase them in single colors, and some of those colors include uh, white snow, called snow puff, which is a clean white. Then there's a vibrant maroon called cranberries, and a rosy mauve called rose uh, bonbon, and then a lovely soft blush, uh, a blush pink called bicolor pink. That's a double click mix. Now, I've heard of a lot of cut flower growers who are using this one, and it is a very dependable plant with nice strong stems. And of course, because they have these kind of pom pom like flowers, they're true doubles, uh, it's very showy. Now, you may think about the Pied Piper, the Pied Piper series of Cosmos. Now, these blossoms have this um, uh, kind of distinctive style that's known as a seashell type blossom. Now, the seashell type blossoms are interesting um, because there is a a seashells mix that's been around a long time, but what they have are a fluted petal. Every single petal around this cosmos looks like the end of a flute or the end of a trumpet. Um, Most cosmos are flat or maybe ruffly, but this cosmos actually looks like tubes along the ends of their blossoms. So the Pied Piper, again, being that seashell-type blossom, it's got the fluted petals. It comes in a variety of individual colors. Uh, Red Pied Piper is a deep, beautiful deep maroon. And then blush white is a soft, creamy, blushy pink. So those are two colors that are quite different, but still can be uh, very attractive in your cut flower garden. Now, Purity. Purity is a very little cheerful flower. It's a daisy-like blossom, so kind of your basic cosmos, but it has the most perfect pure white single flowers. Um, Like I said, a little bit smaller than most of the other cosmos in bloom size, but it is a true white, and you can't find any, any better now. Now, they're probably one of the darkest, the darkest shades of cosmos you'll find is called rubenza and rubenza is um has this bold choice of flowers that actually change from a bright ruby red to a dark rose as they mature so there is an interesting um an interesting flower in that you're going to start with a very dark red and then as the flower starts getting older it's going to be more of a dark rosy color. 
So you get sort of a two-in-one when it comes to Rubenza. Now, I do want to mention seashells because I've already talked about it, but the seashells, they again have those unique fluted-like tubular petals that I just love, and they have sort of this three-dimensional display because the petal is not flat, but the colors that they come in is a pink, a blush, and a white. They're definitely on the more muted tones. Now let's talk about Versailles. Versailles mix is a very early blooming, quite vigorous mix that includes some of the best daisy-like flowers you'll find in shades of white, mauve, pink, and even burgundy. So Versailles mix is very unique and, and, and very different. Um, and it's really one of the fastest to bloom from seed to flowering in just about two months. Two months after you've planted it out, you should start to see some blossoms. And that's really fast, really quick. And probably one of the most prolific cosmos that you'll find on the market. One of the thing about Versailles that I like is they sort of have an eye spot. <laughs> and what I mean by eye spot is right in the center of the flower, Again, think of a daisy-like flower. You've got that strong yellow center where all the, uh, the uh, stigmas and the, the anthers are. And then right around there is sort of a halo, an eye spot, a halo of a darker color. And then the petal itself may be like a, uh, a bright pink. So the Versailles is a great one, very prolific and an easy one to try. But uh, don't take my word for it, of course, I would say use this spring, use this uh, summer to grow some of these Cosmos. And buying Cosmos seed is so cheap that you could have a garden alone from 100 packets of seeds. A garden from 100 packets of seeds. Wouldn't that be lovely and wonderful? Well, when we get back, we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of growing Cosmos. So get your pens ready and take some notes. We're going to grow some Cosmos after this break. Hang on tight. For the world to behold. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, welcome to the second half of today's program here on New Southern Garden. Uh, we are continuing to talk about growing cut flowers. Cut flowers in your garden, in your landscape. You don't necessarily have to be a flower farmer in order to grow cut flowers. All you need is a little bit of space, a lot of sunshine, and a sharp pair of scissors or secutors, pruning shears, to harvest these flowers. Because we've basically been talking over the last few weeks about cut and come again flowers. And I think that if you are planning to grow cut flowers in your garden, but you have limited space, then the cut and come again type flowers are going to be the ones to look for. Because there are plenty of cut flowers that you could grow, but some of them may take two years before they even bloom. Things like foxglove. Foxglove is gonna be planted one year and then bloom the following. So you're tying up some space in your garden just to get 
those foxglove flowers, say in the late spring, early summer of the following year. And once you remove a flower from a foxglove, it's not going to bloom again for the rest of the year. If it makes it over winter and sort of perennializes, then it will definitely bloom the third year. But they sort of are going to be a dedication for space. You've got to dedicate space for that plant for the long haul. Whereas with things like zinnias and dahlias, and of course today we're talking about cosmos, they can be started in the spring, and by summer, they're flowering. And more than that, the more you cut their flowers, the more they produce flowers. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about a cut-and-come-again flower. And the cosmos fall right in line. Maybe you've had experience with cosmos other than being a cut flower. Um, it is one of those kind of quintessential, quintessential uh, cottage gardening flower. Of course, cosmos historically get quite large, which is good for cut flowers because larger plants produce larger, stronger stems. And of course, that's what we want when we're removing a plant from uh, removing a flower from its plant and cramming it into a vase they've got to be there with strong stems to support themselves while they have been separated from their mother plant so of course you've seen images and pictures of cottage gardens and there's probably always some kind of cosmos there these are those flowers and plants that produce flowers with those delicate daisy-like blooms just billows and plumes of them kind of high up in the air because many cosmos can easily get to five feet and beyond, six, seven, maybe eight foot if it's quite a vigorous plant in a healthy, fertile soil. But regardless, they will give you a bit of height in your landscape if you don't want to, say, plant them into rows to uh, grow as a cut flower. But if you want to scatter them here and there, uh, they surely are going to give you some structure. But it's short-lived. That structure is only for the spring and summer. Uh, once the frost hits them again, Cosmos, they're from Mexico, they're annuals here in our growing area, and they're not going to overwinter, uh, so you can save seed and grow more next year. But the Cosmos are very versatile, very easy to grow. Um, really, we're not dealing with many insect and disease problems. We'll talk about that a little later. But we do want to go ahead and jump in to discussing how do we actually grow them, what is the best protocol for seeding them, what is the best protocol for transplanting them, and what kind of needs do they have while they're growing. Well, I'll start by saying that there is probably no easier plant in general to actually start and grow from a seed than cosmos. Cosmos are super easy. All you need to do uh, is, is really, if you're going to start your cosmos indoors, be sure to sow your seeds about four weeks before, your la before the, the, the last frost, and then you can plant those seedlings into the garden once all danger of frost has passed. So not this weekend, folks, but you can start those little seeds in trays or in little pots in the windowsill or a greenhouse or sunroom if you have one. You can do that this weekend. And really, we don't want to be starting Cosmos six weeks or eight weeks before we plan to plant them because if we don't, um, if we plant them too early, uh, the seedlings will quickly grow. They'll outgrow their pots 
before time is up and it's warm enough outside and they'll really start to have some problems. So the idea is mark it on your calendar, say four weeks before April 15th. And that's essentially this weekend, sometime this week. So you can start these cosmos immediately if you like. But again, we've got to wait till the danger of frost is past. They cannot handle a lick of cold weather. Now, the great thing about cosmos is that these plants get very bushy pretty quickly, um, and they actually prefer a little extra room to spread out. So when you're spacing plants in your garden, in your landscape, you can start by spacing them 12 inches apart, but maybe even up to 18 inches apart. Now, for the Dow... Um, not for the dahlias, but for the zinnias we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we were spacing about a foot apart because they're quite bushy plants too. But this is a little different than maybe what you do with your bedding plants. Whenever you buy your petunias from the local plant nursery in the spring or maybe your begonias, you may space them six to eight inches apart. But in the case of Cosmos, space them about 12 to 18 inches because they do get chunky. And actually at that spacing, at that spacing, um, plants will help support each other. So neighboring plants will help support and hold up strong stems with neighboring with other neighboring plants. And that is something we need to talk about. Once your plants start to grow and they start to get bushy, what about uh, what about uh, staking? Well, Cosmos grow pretty rapidly. So you got to be sure to stake them or maybe create a net around them. Uh, you could do the method I think we talked about with zinnias is where you corral them. So you put a few stakes every few feet uh, along the length of your planting and then use twine or some kind of wire, say every 12 inches and sort of create a corral up those stakes. Now, you really want to do this while they're young. So you may go ahead and anticipate having to stake or capture or net. If you don't want plants kind of flopping over, you may want to do that as soon as you start to plant them in the ground. Now, you could, instead of transplanting from seedlings that you've grown indoors, cosmos can be direct sown. They can be direct sown, but we do want to make sure that the uh, temperatures are kind of in the 70s. So that's going to be well into spring, um, and you are going to want to make sure they stay moist, not wet, but make sure the, the earth that they've been planted into uh, stays moist while they're germinating. Uh, really, I would prefer to start them as plants inside, sow them in pots, and then place them in the ground because then I know exactly where those cosmos have been planted. If you plant them in the ground, you sort of have to wait and then identify the seedling to know where your seedlings are germinating. But don't worry, they will germinate quite quickly once they have been um, been planted. Now, Cosmos do benefit from pinching, and we talked about this pinching aspect when we were discussing zinnias. The idea is that when the plant starts to grow from a seed, it's going to have one strong, uh, we call it a central leader in the nursery, but one strong main stem. Now, in order to encourage the plant to become highly productive and to branch out even more vigorously, we want to pinch out the tip 
of that first main stem. Now, you can do this when the plant plants are about 12 inches tall. So get out your ruler when they're about 12 inches tall. You can take out the top few sets of leaves, just like we talked about for zinnias. It's the same concept. And then what happens is uh, the new growth will come from below your cut, and the new growth will send up these quite vigorous, tall, and strong, sturdy stems. So that's going to do two things. That's going to increase the density of your plant to give you more blooms, more blossoms. It's also going to increase the density and the structure of individual branches so they will be stronger and more able to uh, be used in some kind of cut flower arrangement. But like we've talked about, the more you cut, the more you cut your uh, cosmos through the summer, then the more flowers you're going to have. So in order to prolong their flowering time, one thing we need to do regularly is to keep the cosmos harvested, keep the blooms cut all the time, deadhead them regularly. If there's any spent blooms that have uh, started to fade, they need to get off the plant as soon as possible because once they start to set seed, then all the resources goes into making seed rather than making flowers. I'm going to remind you that this process of deadheading is sort of uh, a horticultural trickery (laughs) and what I mean is it's when we remove spent flowers we're kind of tricking the plant into making more because see the plant's sole purpose in life just like most life forms (laughs) is to reproduce to make offspring And so the plant is gearing up, it's producing these flowers to attract pollinators so they can cross-pollinate plants, and then once those flowers have become pollinated, they start to decay and turn into seed. So it starts to mature uh, with seed inside. Now, once the plant realizes, uh, it doesn't really have a brain, so it doesn't realize it, but for lack of a better word, uh, once the plant realizes that it has seed being developed, then it has no reason to grow more flowers, right? So if we remove the spent flowers and don't allow the plant to produce seed, then we're sort of tricking the plant into thinking, oh no, I don't have any seed. I need to make more flowers so then I can make more seed. So that's how these cut and come again plants really work is that by harvesting, 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 deadheading, 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 removing spent flowers, we keep tricking the plant to do one thing and one thing alone, make more blooms, make more blossoms. Now, one thing you may consider to do with cosmos is to succession plant. We did talk about this with the the zinnias, and the succession planting is where we may plant a few, say one week, and then maybe a month later, plant some more, sow some more seeds, because that is going to give you a longer blooming period, if you will. It'll not only give you more variety and diversity, but say those early plants you started, oh, they start getting weak or they start dying out. Well, then you're losing all of your wonderful cut flowers, right? So if you have a stash, if you will, a stash of zinnia plants ready to go that have been spaced out about a month apart from their sowing dates, then every month you will have a new crop, a new set of Cosmo flowers. And the same goes for zinnia and many of these other cut flowers that you could grow. So keep that in mind that if you are looking to have to extend your blooming period, 
Um, it doesn't take these very long. Like we said, uh, you 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 can uh, sow them at f- and, and you can sow them one week, and then four weeks later you're planting them. And then of course they actually may be blooming in just a couple of months. Some of the earliest varieties. So you could sow these essentially, folks, in let's see, August, August, where am I thinking? August, October, November. September, I missed September, August, September, October. Yeah, so you could start them even late summer and still have some flowers to start harvesting before the first frost in early fall. So, folks, we've got some more things to talk about with Cosmos. Not really a problematic plant, but there may be some things you want to be aware of. So after this break, we'll talk about some of the things to look out for when it comes to Cosmos and some easy ways on solving those problems. Hang on tight, gang. We've got more to come after this break. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. All right, gang, well, we've got so little time and so much to talk about because today we are continuing our conversation on growing flowers in your landscape or in your garden as cut flowers. So these would be plants that produce beautiful flowers with strong, straight, vigorous stems that you can remove from the plant and bring indoors. And, of course, we're particularly talking about plants um, that are cut and come again which means that the more you cut flowers from them, then the more flowers you will have that are produced. And today's topic has been talking about cosmos, those delightful little daisy-like flowers on very lacy, ferny-like foliage, which is a great contrast with other broad leaf-cut flowers. Um, But I did promise you before the break that we would talk about some of the potential issues. The good thing, (laughs) the good thing about... um, cosmos is that there aren't really that many diseases to worry about the bad thing is that the diseases that they might get are fatal okay all right i I say that with kind of humor because really you probably won't see many of these terrible problems that cosmos can succumb to but um you probably won't see them but if you do then I'll give you some solutions. The first thing that they do have a problem with is bacterial wilts, only if the bacteria is present. If the bacteria is not in your soil, um, then it's not going to be a problem. If the bacteria is not brought in from somewhere else, then it's not going to be a problem. But the problem with the bacterial wilt with Cosmos is that it results in this sudden wilting and collapse of the entire plant. The plant just shrivels up and dries up in two to three days. It's going to be fast. And so the only solution to this is 
infected plants need to be destroyed immediately. And they need to be destroyed immediately because bacteria can overwinter in the soil and then cause a problem for you next year. So if you have, if you diagnose a problem like this with your go at uh, Cosmos, just be sure that you are rotating your crop next year. So if you get this bacterial wilt, which is a terrible thing, which is probably unlikely, but it's possible, you've got to destroy the plant. Don't plant Cosmos there for at least a full year's time, okay? Two year if you want to. You could put zinnias in the place. That shouldn't have a problem uh, with that. Or you could grow some other thing there. Uh, but don't grow cosmos in infected soil and infected site year after year another thing is canker okay canker uh is usually affects the stems of your your cosmos plants and the branches uh particularly at blooming time the lesions start out on the stems there will be some lesions that are dark brown and then they'll turn to an ashy gray later on but just like the bacterial wilt the canker is not uh, there's no solution except for removing and destroying the infected stems and uh, infected plants completely, and of course, crop rotating uh, just for safety protocols. Um, now, of course, in the southern states, we can have some some root and stem rots that can be particularly damaging in our areas um, and in areas where plants are overwatered. So be sure that you're not overwatering, keeping the soil around your cosmos too wet. As a matter of fact. You may, when you plant, try to fluff it up with plenty of organic matter and make sure the site is free draining. Um, but if you do get some of this root or stem rot, uh, you could treat the soil with a drench uh, of an appropriate fungicide. That can be quite useful. Now, um, other than diseases, a few pests, a few uh, insects, if you will, insect pests, aphids, Japanese beetles, leafhoppers, those are probably the most common for cosmos. And, unfortunately, the most common for many plants. So, uh, aphids and Japanese beetles and leafhoppers, here's the biggest problem with trying to treat for that. We grow flowers for pollinators, right? We grow them for the good insects, the butterflies, the bees even. But when it comes to insects that destroy the plant, how do we balance trying to fend those off but maintain a healthy population of the good insects. Well, it's going to be kind of tough in a way because if you start using chemicals on your cosmos for something like a Japanese beetle or aphid, then those chemicals, you've got to be very selective, but I don't know of any selective ones that are going to be selective enough to kill Japanese beetle, but maybe not. Um the, uh, the butterflies. So you may try to do some organic things. The very first thing is with Japanese beetles, take a pail of soapy water, warm soapy water, and pick them off and throw them in the pail of warm soapy water. Then, of course, you could use horticultural oils and horticultural soaps, insecticidal soaps, uh, but you literally just need to spray the insects you see, like the aphids. Those two products, oils and soaps, can work well on aphids, but not so well on the big, tough insects like Japanese beetles. So be careful at the scouting. Making sure you know what is on your plant at any given point during the week is a good idea because you don't want these populations to become out of control. Now, one thing that I do want to mention, uh, other than the problems you may, uh, that may arise with Cosmos uh, before we head out for the day, I do want to talk about trying to keep 
your cut flowers, your cut cosmos, as long as you can in a vase. Because the individual blooms of cosmos actually don't last that long in a vase, maybe four to six days. But remember that each stem is going to be loaded with multiple blossoms that open up individually over a period of a week. So this is one plant that you can cut before it's completely opened, before the flower's completely opened, and it will continue to bloom, continue to flower. So that's the idea here. Harvest the buds. There's a little trick for lasting stems on cosmos, lasting blooms. Harvest the buds um, that are colored, that are showing some color, but haven't opened up yet. And that's going to also help keep insects from pollinating them and stretch the vase life by a few additional days. The idea is that with cosmos, if you harvest flowers that have been pollinated by insects, then that flower is going to fade much sooner than a flower that was not pollinated by insects. So maybe harvesting your cosmos early in the morning before many of these uh, pollinators are active, they're still kind of asleep, I guess, and then also harvesting a bud that is showing some color but has not fully opened up yet. And again, with certain plants... Uh, you cannot harvest them before they fully open. Like we talked about dahlias last week. We've got to get it just at a sweet spot. Um, but with Cosmos, you can harvest them before they fully open, and they still will continue to open. The other thing with Cosmos, for sure, if you have floral preservatives uh, to add into a vase of water, that is going to be beneficial, and that will extend your bloom time or vase life is what we call it. Extend the vase life of those cosmos. Cosmos are just super rewarding. Cosmos are just uh, super uh, productive. They have those dainty-like flowers, dainty-like, fern-like foliage, and they just really look good whether they're in a vase or planted in the ground, in your garden, in your landscape. And they mix well. Uh, if you're doing bouquets, if you have large dahlias, you can use these tiny, smaller flowers that Cosmos uh, will provide for you. So I hope you've enjoyed today's talk about growing Cosmos as a cut flower, uh, trying to include that one into our series. It's straightforward. It's simple. Probably the easiest plant in the world to grow. I think you can have fun with it. So for New Southern Garden and WRWH, my name is Nathan Wilson, and I hope you stay well and grow well this weekend. Go. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show.